Great day, amazing humans. Yes, welcome to Empowered in My Skin, the podcast. My name is Inke Chingwafa Robinson, and I am founder and CEO of Empowered in My Skin, an experienced technology executive with one of Canada's largest financial institutions, an author, an international federation of bodybuilding pro athlete, an inspirational speaker, and a viral sensation as my You Matter speech has hit over 6.5 million views worldwide. This show is all about thriving. And I will be bringing on some amazing humans that own their thrive to help you figure out how you too can own yours. So please leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on and make sure to join along on the web at empoweredmyskin.com so you can be notified when new episodes are available. For now, I'm your girl. Let the show begin. Yes, great day, amazing, empowered humans. Welcome to another episode of the Empowered in My Skin, the podcast. On today, my guest is a practicing orthopedic trauma surgeon at a level two trauma center in Pensacola, Florida. She is one of only 10 black female fellowship trained orthopedic traumatologists in the United States. She's also the medical director of the orthopedic trauma service line for the world-renowned Andrews Institute for Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, affiliated with the Baptist Healthcare Hospital System. The path to her dream career was fraught with personal and professional obstacles and challenges. Through it all, she has maintained her faith in God, her giving spirit, her love of humanity, a desire to serve, and an exceptional positive attitude. She has a passion for encouraging young people to pursue their dreams and consider science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, otherwise known as STEM, yay, careers in general and medicine specifically. From mentoring students already in medical school to speaking with the youth at the Boys and Girls Club of the Emerald Coast, she strives to help young people understand the possibilities and pursue the opportunities available to them. As a woman of faith, she strives to treat everyone she encounters like family, living a life of love, grace, and understanding. She is passionate about personal development and effective communication and applies the principles she has learned in all aspects of her personal and professional life. She's all about celebrating this amazing journey of life and taking every experience as it should be, a lesson from which to learn and grow. On top of all of that, she's a near and close family friend of mine. We grew up together, so she's like family. So meet my cousin, the amazing Dr. <laughs> Leslie barnes Remsky. Yay! <laughs> That's amazing. Great to be here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I know. I so, so just so you know, and I don't know if it's just black people do it, but we call each other cousin. We're not, but you know what it means, like cousin. Yes. Her mom and her dad are like my auntie, my uncle, and vice versa. So Thank you, Dr. Leslie. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so after all of that, I still, yes. I still want the listeners to know even more just about your human, your person, your brand. You know, what can you tell us more about that? Well, I don't know about the brand part. I don't, <laughs> don't think of myself as a brand, but um, the person I am, you know, I try to live just a really genuine life. I mean, one of my mottos in life is it's not about me, which is interesting. While I think I have something to give and to share that people can learn from me, at the same time, most of 
uh, how I approach that is making it less about me and more about giving. So that is sort of my, um, my raison d'etre, you know, my, my reason for, for being is to give and to serve. And the fulfillment I get in life isn't generally from doing that. I love that. And you know, once you said that, I could probably attest to that. I know how many times we've had a conversation and you're like, it's not about me. <laughs> not about me. Do I say it? Yeah, it's not about me. Yeah. <laughs> this happened, but it's, it's not, not about me. It's not about me. <laughs> I didn't realize that that is, that's your that's mantra. A, that is that's really a awesome. Thing. <laughs> so I love it. Um, so what I'm, I'm big on affirmations. It's actually funny. I'm, I'm, I've gone, I'm growing from affirmations to declarations, but yeah. I, I do believe in the power of I am. And so my name in Kitchener means God's gift. So I am God's gift. And I'm also, I am energy. I own that. And so what's your great I am? Um, I am kindness. I am humility. Um, you know, most of all, I'm love. That's, mm, love that's that. the motivation. That's my thing. <laughs> it's like, it's we just love more. And it's probably, um, I mean, with your faith, you know, um, I read that right through your bio and I know it. And I think that's why we're such kindred friends and sisters. Um, you know, it's agape love. It's yes, that, it's it is. that love. I always say it. I don't need to know you to love you. Exactly. Yes. Everybody, <laughs> I try, you know, I try to treat everybody like family, whether it's a patient, whether it's a friend, somebody I just met, uh, somebody on the street. If you need a smile, a laugh, I know you're like that. Yeah, <laughs> People important. I think that's, that's awesome. Energy. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So Jesus is my example for how to love and, and just and live, live life. life with grace. <laughs> live life with grace. I grace is such a huge thing for me. So yeah. it is, eh? Yeah. yeah. So well, I can I can almost answer the next question, but what do you want to be? Well, so sorry, let me take that back a second. So I've heard the um Maya Angelo through Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> say that your legacy is left in every experience. I actually really believe that from that day, from that day I heard it framed up like that. I was like, you're right. And so what do you, this is an experience. This is a time we get to share energy with each other and people are listening. So what do you want to be known for at the end of this interview? Um, I want to be known for um, being someone who leaves other people with the feeling of increase. You know, Ooh. when somebody has been in my presence, I, they should never leave feeling worse. If anything, they just feel calmer. And, you know, I've been told by people, uh, whether it's patients or people I work with sometimes, I have a calming sort of sense about me. Um, so people come in feeling um, or come into work feeling either stressed or like something is weighing on them and we just have a good experience in the operating room or just something. And they tell me afterwards, I just felt, you know, just off and I feel better. And, you know, I try to sort of have that energy and that feeling that there's a piece or something that I think is within me, that I feel mm -hmm. within me, that mm -hmm. I want other people to feel, you know, and even if it's transient and it comes and goes, just, there is, there is an okayness of life and an okayness of everything that's the, that another person is in front of me mm. that, um, that I want them to feel. So that's, that people can have that. I, I think, think everybody I, can, can, can do that. If you're thinking about, am I making 
a positive impact in the people around me. And it doesn't have to be big things, just little things, you know, and everybody can do that. So I'm a sort of a fan of leaving people feeling that way. And it makes people want to pay it forward as well. At seven minutes in, you're already yeah. doing that. So excited to see what comes next. Okay, so um, we are still, based on when I'm interviewing you, we're in yeah. this COVID-19 experience. Yeah. And you are in the States and very different experience than what we're having here in Canada. And I know from state to state, it's very different depending on what your governor is mm-hmm. stipulating. And you are a doctor, so I'm assuming there was no time off. It wasn't like you could work from home. <laughs> How has Different. this overall experience been for you? I mean, we're um, for it's about five months now, five, six five months. months. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, the thing that's interesting about my, you know, yes, I'm a surgeon, but a lot of surgeons in orthopedics is uh, are work in primarily elective fields, which means they um, their surgeries aren't emergencies. You know, I'm a traumatologist. There's a fracture. Some people, I treat people with fractures. That's the, my main gig. So those things just didn't stop. People just, instead of having car accidents, when everybody was staying at home, they were climbing on ladders to fix things and do all this stuff in their house. <laughs> so they're falling in holes in their yard or they're falling on ladders and they were painting this and, you know, all the home projects are using their table saws and trying to cut the tips of their fingers off or things like that. So, um, so I, had the privilege and of working consistently um, through the whole, through all of it. A lot of my orthopedic surgeon colleagues really had, there was no surgeries happening. So there was a very limited practice, which not only is a financial strain, but um, there's only so much you can do when that is your, you know, your specialty. So um, besides the impact from, uh, you know, just having to consistently work, there's sort of an awareness um, of, of your person in space and relative to other people. You know, I hug people, I touch people. It's such a thing to not do that. Mm -hmm. You know, you'd have to have a certain awareness and you're really thinking about other people. It's the same thing with the masks and, and all of that. I'm in Florida where, um, you know, we did reopen fairly quickly, but we also in this area of Florida in particular, we just didn't have really high numbers before. Our numbers now are way higher than they were the first time around. Um, and so people sort of, I think, were a little exuberant in going out and not masking and all of that. And um, it's really, for me, it's it's an act of love to mm-hmm. everyone. Mm-hmm. You wear the mask. I don't touch people. I don't touch my stepkids because I'm working in a hospital and mm-hmm. I have to examine COVID patients every mm-hmm. now and then. And you just don't know who has it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can't give it to the kids who will take it to their grandparents and, you know, those kinds of things. So really, all of the precautions is not from me living in a state of fear it's me living in a state of love and wanting to protect those around me and i think that's what it should have been i mean i again i they they don't believe everything you see in the news but the main Mm -hmm. fact that there's different states implying different types of rules almost makes the masks a political agenda versus right. a, a it's health a public agenda. Health it's, issue. A health, yes. it's a public yes. health issue. Right? Yes, so, exactly. Anyway, yeah, so thank you for that. Um, so you talk about being in, you know, just you're, you're immersed in the spirit of love and you're in your faith with God. And, yeah. you know, when and Maybe I, I want, my question was going to be, when do you know that you are thriving, you know, but it's, it's maybe it's even the feeling because when you're yeah. 
to anyone that really understands what it's like to live in that space, it's almost like you're always thriving, regardless of what is your circumstances. So maybe exactly. it's more about how's that feeling? What does that feeling feel like for you? Um, the feeling is, it is almost a constant thing for me. I kind of live in a baseline level of joy, if you can call it. It sounds like an oxymoron, baseline level of joy, which is an exuberant thing. But just there's a, um, you know, knowing there's always a feeling for me that I could be doing more. I'm not doing enough. But at the same time, I'm still doing, you know, I'm still giving, I'm still serving. There are all these little ways that I try to um, improve life and for other people, which improves my life. So it is you know, if I go to work and I, it's how I communicate with people. That is a huge thing. I think so much of what we do can be done with kindness, whether you're correcting your children or, you know, disciplining or um, in a meeting or trying to um, present your side to something where somebody is opposing you, there's a way to do that. Um, and I feel even more in, in my thrive when, um, I'm really intentional in doing that and mm -hmm. having those kinds of communications that people can see that I'm listening. That's a mm -hmm. huge thing for me when I feel like people have been heard and I've given people the time they need, you know, which in medicine is sometimes challenging to do. You have to keep, you know, people don't like waiting. So <laughs> they get upset about waiting, but then at the same time, they also take the time to, they tell me all their, all their stuff, you know, mm -hmm. which takes time. And so they, you know, after, a few visits, they, they understand that there might be a delay because I got to see all these people, but mm -hmm. you'll also get heard and, and seen and, and your issues addressed. So whether it's a workplace thing or a home thing, it's, um, it's about the, the healthy communication that I feel like when I'm in that, I'm thriving and hopefully other people are too. And what kind of support systems? So what are your daily habits or systems that you have in place? I saw a rower in your room, in your office there. Yes. You know? But yes. what are those daily habits that help you really maintain your thriving sense of empowerment? Um, I'm all about the audiobooks. So, you know, I love personal development books, learning, growth, um, just things that make me think differently. And so audiobooks are, are one of my things, driving into work. I either listen to uplifting music or I'm listening to some either uh, – an audio book that'll give me something that I can, you know, apply to my life and my communications. Um, I am in a leadership role. How do I, you know, one of the books I'm listening to now is Brene Brown's uh, Born to Lead. Mm -hmm. um, so getting just little nuggets that it doesn't have to be, I'm sitting down and reading a book for hours. It's getting that 15 minutes. I'm going to get something just because it's all good stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that practice and, you know, just waking up, when I wake up every morning, there's a, there's a gratitude thing. I just, I'm lying there with my eyes closed and just, I just, I literally feel like one of the most fortunate people alive most days, like all the time. I'm always telling this to my husband. I'm like, you know how just, <laughs> we have just, we've been through challenges, like real challenges. And at the same time, I just, there's so much here. Yeah, there's yeah. so much here. We're just so fortunate and blessed all the time. So, you know, even in the challenging stuff, that's because we talk about it. We grow through it. We, we, we're experiencing it together. So mm -hmm. all of that is my thing. I have a mantra that says, you know, I'm always looking for the good in all, right? Like there's right. good in, there's, there is good in everything. The main fact mm -hmm. that we can draw perspective on something, yeah. we get to choose 
which type of perspectives we want to draw. And for me, it's always look for the good. See the good. That's one of my mantras too. See the good, see the good. (laughs) So what's one of the most important things you've learned in your life and how do you apply it? Hmm. Um, I mean, one thing is just that so much of what we do can be done with kindness. It really Mm -hmm. can. And um, I think we beat ourselves up too much in life. I think we are so much a society about success and failure that if things don't go exactly as you want them to go, it's seen as a failure where it's just the lesson for the day. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think in my bio, I said I've been through all these obstacles and I think at the time I saw them as optical obstacles, mm-hmm. but now um, I feel like anything that happens, I don't know why it happens. I'm mm-hmm. a faithful person. I trust there's a plan for my life, but um, it's not necessarily the plan that I have in my head. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to let some of that go and mm-hmm. almost nothing is a failure. It is, you know, yes, if it's an exam and you pass it or you fail it. And I mm-hmm. failed some exams mm-hmm. and felt like a failure, but it was, I wouldn't be who I am today without those experiences. So I think the biggest lesson is that the mistakes we make in life are, are the best lessons of our life. That's, you know, you should be looking for the mistakes you make because those are the things you remember. Those are the things that stick. And those are the oh. things that push you to do, do, do it better, do it differently, communicate mm-hmm. a better way. So. I listened to my, I listened back to a podcast I did a while ago. And I was like, gee, you're such a wise woman. Because, no, I, was saying something, <laughs> I was saying something like, like one of the biggest things for me was just getting to a place in my life, life where I recognize good or bad that had to happen for me to be exactly where I am on today. So don't waste the pain, find, find the, the lesson and, and teach it from a place of purpose, right? Like it's like, exactly. Yeah. So I totally, I subscribe. We align. You, you know, one of the first things you said is so much of what we do can be done from a place of kindness. And, and it brings me into this next question because we are still in a pandemic as we clearly just articulated a while ago, there, there's a movement, a mass movement that is still moving things and, um, and much has transpired around the world and, and especially in America uh, since the tragic death of George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, um, which one do you want to answer? I forgot to ask you. The third one, the hopeful. Okay. okay. So my question to you is, with everything that's going on, do you feel hopeful for what lies ahead? Um, I think for you knowing me, yes, is the absolute answer for that. Um, you know, I've had so maybe, this, maybe, sorry, maybe yeah. explain why then. Yes. Yes. Um, I am hopeful about, um, the future because even though we seem in this sometimes ridiculous, crazy, um, almost unbelievable time, it, it you know, the behaviors that we see and the expressions of hate that we see are still interestingly better than it was before you and I wouldn't be doing this 50 years from 50 years ago, a hundred years ago, we wouldn't even have the opportunity to do it. Um, we were not seen as people, at one time, you know, both as women and as black, black women. <laughs> right. And so, <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a challenging time, but it is absolutely one that, we're going to progress through to the next thing. 
and you know our grandchildren and great-grandchildren will have their own thing where it seems like they're living in a time that why are people trying to go back to a past where it was not good mm -hmm. um so this is a transitional phase and the good thing about life is change is constant that's the only thing you can count on and um and we're always moving towards some kind of progress and it's just that obviously you have to have patience for progress because it doesn't go like you want and things like protests and all of that are the way things happen they're the way mm -hmm. things change mm -hmm. so we need to be in this time we need to be in this time and we need to have these martyrs um for progress and change yeah. um so there absolutely is hope because people keep fighting mm -hmm. and i'm not a, a fighter in the you know want to duke it out with you but mm -hmm. fighter in the you know when i hear people who have opposing ideas to me or things that just don't make sense i'm actually i'm always asking the question why what there's there's something in it people stand and they dig in their heels if you challenge them but there is a reason for it mm -hmm. and it's about asking the right kind of questions understanding people's motivations and mm -hmm. trying to see what is it about this stance what is the actual core of it you know mm -hmm. Do you dislike certain people? Do you, what is it? And most people won't say yes. It is mm -hmm. something, and it's usually based in fear and change and things that they don't want to have progress. So I think the hope lies in hopefully having uh, more kind and understanding conversations, but also, you know, it is, it is a fight. There are people fighting to not give up what they have. And there's the idea of, um, you know, for other people to do better, somebody has to be doing worse. And I don't subscribe to that. I so I think there is, we live in a world of abundance and there are, there's abundance for certain people who have it over and over and other people who don't. And I think we can lift everybody up and it doesn't, everybody have, doesn't have to be rich, but everybody can reach a level of, um, you know, the place that you can have uh, peace and you're not mm -hmm. starved for yeah. love, for attention, for energy, for sleep, for, you know, just a level of, uh, a basic level of, of comfort and security. There's something that you said, um, so thank you for that. Thank you uh -huh. for sharing that. There's something that you said when you first started that just really put chills in me because you said 50 years ago, you and I couldn't be, wouldn't be doing this. We wouldn't even, you know, we probably wouldn't even have the opportunity or we wouldn't be considered, you know, I think you said even human. Right. Yeah. And I just, I really want to, cause I think it's important for um, people to really understand that though. Cause Leslie is not speaking jokes here. I'm 47. I'm going to be 48 this year. So almost 50 and yeah. Leslie, and we look good by the way. Leslie's one year behind me. So 47, but I'm going to say it's actually just less than 50 years ago because I grew up in a world where as a black person, they I was considered an animal monkey or something less than human. And, and then it was years before I was even considered a woman or, or even seen like that was even part of, uh, you know, um, a classification that I can partner in. And then years before even the black woman was considered any type of beauty. Right. So, and that's in our lifetime. That's why when people, and we're not dinosaurs. So when people think, Oh gosh, this has been going on for a long time. It's, it's within my lifetime. That's not right. a really, re it's a long time to have to live through it. 
but let's not let's not it's so present in our lives and this is why we all need to hear the lesson the words that leslie spoke there is a lot of hope but it takes us all wanting to to see that hope come to fruition right to yeah. really yeah, yeah yeah better world for everybody right. so if you could do, so you're in health and medicine, so I cannot not ask you questions around that. But if, <laughs> so, so I'm giving you power in your hands now. If you could do anything to improve health and healthcare, especially, you know, elsewhere in the world or in rural America, what would you do? Um, I think it would be easier for everybody to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I grew up in the Canadian healthcare system and then I'm now working in the American healthcare system, which are very different. And there is a um, a piece that comes with knowing you can just go to the doctor. You know, you don't have to stay home just because you can't afford to be bankrupt from them finding something. You know, uh, preventative medicine is uh, very important. And so many people here don't have doctors because they still don't have insurance or it's just cost prohibitive. You know, if you're choosing food versus healthcare, you're going to choose food and to feed your kids and take care of your family. Um, and healthcare is, it's, it's just so expensive down here for so many people, um, and, you know, around the world, um, to have that sort of healthcare insecurity is, uh, one of the biggest challenges and the biggest ways that we're not taking care of each other. I think, you know, we have one of the best medical systems in the world here, um, but not everybody can access it even at the most basic level. So whether it's rural America, whether it's just so few um, physicians and providers uh, of care, just because of the space and, and everything else. Um, and then you add on top of that, that, you know, in those rural communities, there's a lot of farmers and, and things like that. And all of this stuff is sort of insecure, especially through a pandemic. So um yeah, I think access. access. Access is the number one thing. And, you know, I'm sort of proud. I work at a facility where we really make that access. We just, there are so many initiatives for people to get, get care, um, whether it's financial assistance and, you know, everybody, we love it when patients have insurance, but those who don't, they're, they're the same part of mm-hmm. our family too. Everybody's family for me. I could definitely see the benefit of that, especially elsewhere in the world too. Yeah. Can you tell us about a patient that has touched your heart? Um, I've got so many patients that, that speak to me, but one in particular, um, she just had just such a, a challenging life and an interesting story, and I'm not going to share her name or anything, but I mean, I've seen a newspaper article about her story, and mm-hmm. she and her sister were imprisoned in Mississippi for 17 years for a crime they didn't do, two black women, and um and then my patient had some health problems and required a new kidney. And I think they let her out. They let them both out because her sister agreed to give her a kidney. And then because of the complications of kidney failure and all of this kind of stuff, she ended up, and then she had a, she came to me with an ankle fracture. And over time, she just had multiple complications. And we had to talk about taking, you know, amputating her leg. And um, that's what we ultimately did. But it, you know, it's really is a struggle. And I, I feel privileged when I have seen people work through that process. It takes time. It's usually majority of time. It's not an emergency. Like you come in and you just have to lose your leg. You have time to process it, which almost sometimes is harder for people when you try to save and you just done so many surgeries, a surgery after a surgery after surgery, and it's just not working. And you have to have this conversation about, 
um, do you want to, um, you know, we could do this thing and yes, it's losing a part of you, but it's getting on with your life. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had people depressed and just, and then eight weeks, 10 weeks after an amputation, they are back to doing their Taekwondo lessons and Mm -hmm. they're, you know what I mean? You get a new leg and you move on. And, Mm -hmm. and this particular patient, she was getting married, you know, eight weeks away from us having her in the hospital with this, you know, this situation. And, um, she ended up, we ended up doing it. And, and I was like, we're going to get you to your wedding. She just wants to walk down the aisle in her wedding. And she did. And uh, my husband and I were at her wedding and mm-hmm. the prosthetist who built her new leg for her, he, he was also there with his wife and she wanted us both at her wedding. And she, she watched, she had to have help because it was only eight weeks out, <laughs> but um, she really, uh, she wow. inspires me. And she's just got a great attitude. She and her sister and they're really just wonderful people. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's, there's so many things that people live through. And I mean, their time in jail and everything else, there was a whole movement at that time and protests trying to get them out. So, wow. and they're out and they're still praising God for it. So, you know, <laughs> gosh, God, that but God, that's a but yes. God. Yeah. So what is the most miraculous? I mean, we hear about medical miracles all the time. What's the most miraculous thing that you've either for it's seen in, in your, in, with your own eyes or experience in the medical field? Um, I think the miracle is sometimes is healing and that both mm-hmm. in the things that we can do, you know, the progress we've made. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing the stuff that people survive now that again, 50 years ago, it wasn't even <laughs> yeah, the, the, the opportunities and the, the resources that we have, um, to help people is amazing. And then there's, um, I think the miracle, the other miracle is just from the personal side, but people survive, you know, people are in these horrible accidents and break everything. And some people can have an attitude of just, it's amazing that they can't be broken. You know, for me, that's the miracle. It inspires me to not complain about anything. You know, we all have things that bother us, but it, you know, you have to think about yourself. What would I do if I was completely stripped of just completely dependent on somebody else? Nobody likes that. You know, even as our parents, as you know, get older, they don't like it. Even as it's sort of the process of life, getting older and needing more help and all of that. But going from a young person uh, whose life is completely changed, you know, um, people just, I'm, the miracle for me is the resilience of people mm-hmm. and how much we can we, we can, can actually endure and still We're thrive. to survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we are truly <laughs> built to be resilient. So you talked, I read in your bio, you are one of only 10 black female um, fellowship trained orthopedic traumatologists in the United States. How many yeah. people in the United States? So, so 350, <laughs> 350 million, million people? Yeah, something like that, yeah. And do you know roughly about how many doctors there are? Um, no. Um, you know, and this is this Some is a very lesson. specific yeah. field. Yes, a lot less. <laughs> there are, you know, in orthopedic surgery alone, women are maybe nine percent of of all orthopedic surgeries. So you imagine black women in that is even less. Right. And uh, orthopedic, you know, the orthopedic traumatologist is a very specific thing. There's a lot of there are black women who treat fractures like I do, but this this specific training is just a field that has not been. Um, 
populated very well <laughs> with with black women. And I'm number five. I was the fifth, the fifth of when fifth I finished ever. my training. So, I was the fifth. So um, let me ask you because I'm just yes. gonna, I, you know, I, there are ten of you, but I'm just to me that's yes. like you're the only. Let's just <laughs> be real. Like when, in ten in a sea of 350 million people, it's like the only because how yeah, okay. like when you probably meet one, you're like. What? are you kidding me what's the chance so what is it what has it been like growing up in a field of the only um hmm. that's a good question i mean (laughs) again a lot of my attitude about things it's not about me so (laughs) it's not (laughs) so um it's just, you know, it's just a step in my path. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I go through life communicating with people in a way that maybe they don't recognize that that is a thing, you know? I'm not, I'm there to serve. And so while I definitely sense, you know, patients are not used to seeing me as their doctor. They just don't see enough of us as mm-hmm. <laughs> their doctor. So, um there is a pride that people have that I experience, which is lovely. And then there's a support that I have from, oh, I tell you, black people are so proud of me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, I, so, know. I know what that's so like. Nice. You know yeah. what it's like, right? Know, know you know, you're like. doing your thing. And it's yeah. just the fact that you have that that's there is because there's not enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's not enough. And so it's an anomaly. And so they're sort of amazed when you make it through and you can do that. Um, but throughout the journey, it's a struggle because mm-hmm. In orthopedics, number one, as a woman, you're only, you know, 10% of all of the people in training. And it's a a system that um, the way that men do things is that is the normal. And we do things differently. We do. We care differently. We practice differently. We sometimes overthink differently. And so um, that experience of trying not to beat ourselves up through the process, you know, I don't know any woman who's gone through orthopedics doesn't cry at some point just because it's, 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 it's hard. They it make is, it hard. hard. Mm-hmm. They make it hard. And, uh, but when you get out that you realize you can, you can create the life that you want in it. Mm-hmm. And it's still hard. I mean, I know women who are struggling because they're in these, it's still a, just a dominated male dominated world. And mm-hmm. I don't think that, uh, the contribution of women in it is um, celebrated or understood or appreciated to the degree that it should. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's, I don't know. I don't usually, the majority of the time, I'm not thinking of myself as the one, mm-hmm. but I do have to make sure people know I'm their doctor though. Yeah, no, <laughs> because that. at the same and, time, because that's not what they're expecting. And I don't think, I don't think I know this and I don't think yeah. I knew this and I, and yeah. I don't think I recognized how, uh, specific and specialized your field was until really I was kind of reading through your, yeah. um, like we were researching you and I saw some stuff online. Um, did you intentionally pick that for that reason? Or was that just, you stumbled upon this and then realized that this is such a specialized field, not many people are doing it and there's a need here. And so this is where I'm going to go. No, I just love it. And, you know, I didn't grow up wanting to be an orthopedic surgeon. I only realized that in medical school, which is late to figure that out because it is a very competitive field. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, can you repeat that question? 
I forgot what I was going. <laughs> so, so yeah, I won't repeat the whole question. So I won't no, repeat the question, but um, yeah, I'm just asking, just the, was that intentional? Was it because oh, right. there wasn't there a go. lot of, yeah. Right. So um, going into orthopedic trauma, you know, everybody experiences it in your training. You know, you do trauma, you do sports medicine, you do hand surgery and all of these things. And for me, just, I grew up being the fix-it person in my house, you know, uh, between my brothers and I, I was the one who put furniture together and, and, and was the tool person and was really interested in what my father, who's a surgeon, also did. Um, so I always was sort of heading in that surgeon direction. And then I learned about orthopedics and I saw a knee replacement and I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. I had no idea. They just took saws to bones and just <laughs> bust that thing right off. It's, it's amazing. And so that sent me on that path. And it was just a path brought with obstacles all the time. It took multiple tries to get into everything for me. And, but through it all, it's just like, you, you know, when you know, <laughs> you know yeah. uh, what you're supposed to be doing. And then the yeah. trauma part, um, it's just variety. I like change. I'm a person, I like getting up in the morning and, I could go to bed with one surgery to do and be at work till 11 o'clock at night doing five because mm -hmm. people break their bones the way they break their bones. Mm -hmm. And so, and I like the variety of operating all over the body. So it was literally, it's just a passion thing for me. Mm -hmm. I really, I enjoy it. And I get the satisfaction. Every patient is different. Every surgery is different. Uh, you know, every ankle fracture isn't just an ankle fracture. It's, mm -hmm. there are details and the patient contributes and their, mm -hmm. their part of it contributes to it. So. So I'm going to ask you a, a question right now. Would you be willing to come back on this podcast more as an expert um, guest? An expert in what? <laughs> you're, you're, a medical, you're a medical professional, an expert in trauma. Treat sure. Yes, yeah, okay. Because I, I, all I'm saying is we're already at 35 minutes and I can, yes, I'm intrigued. Can I have so many questions <laughs> and I'll ask you very specific about your field and it's STEM. You know, I love STEM. I'm, yes. I'm, you know, I promote it. And I, so I'd love to bring you back in to just inspire people to even increase the number of black women in this yeah. particular field, you know? Yes. So, so let's do that. Okay. So Absolutely. my last um, general question for you is if you can have a billboard, Dr. Leslie, with anything on it, what would it be and why? It would be stop, listen, give, love. Woo! That is all. I love that. I thought you were going to say it's not about you, boo. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my job to tell people. I love it. So I have, I have these uh, uh, questions called rapid thrivers. So you're not supposed to really give much thought to them. Yes. So okay. we're going to go into them. When you think of thriving and somebody who inspires you, who's the first person that comes to mind and why? Um, well, you're one of them just because of <laughs> all the stuff you're doing. Seriously, I always think, man, I could be doing more. And she's like all over the place doing so much of her stuff. You know, you're up at four in the morning, you're working out, you're doing the work, and then you're helping and supporting all these women and doing a podcast. You, you inspire me. Thank the other person is my mother. Um, oh. wouldn't think that she's thriving, but so much of who I am is from her. The giving, I mean, the giving for me is inspired so much by her. Um, and she doesn't think of herself that way, but when she sees how I do it, she's like, I wonder where you got that from. <laughs> you know, almost every one of my brothers and I are our friends mm -hmm. and you have lived in our house Yeah, at some point. <laughs> You've lived in our house. I know. <laughs> <laughs> my best friend, my brother's best friend, everybody's lived in our house at some point in time. Mm -hmm. um, because that's from my mom. That's, yeah. you know, and in our house, we just have, you know, I've had a, I've had a friend live, will live with me and 
um, our kids' friends, they can come here. And um, my husband and I, when there are conflicts, the families come together and we talk about it. So that, that for me is thriving. It's all about family yeah. and communication and, and the people in your lives and trying to maintain these relationships. So, so we love mommy, mommy, auntie, I'm going to call you. Auntie. I know she's listening too. I'm going <laughs> to actually throw something in there too. I learned, I learned love. I learned to deepen my love because of mom and auntie. Yeah. So, you know, thank you. Thank you for blessing Thanks, our mom. lives. We love yes. you. She's helped yes. me since I, before I even knew I, yes. what I was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's Pretty there cool. for everybody. Yeah, she has. So, so yeah. what is a book that has helped you with your thrive? Mm, there are so many. There are so many. Um, um, of course, they don't come to mind right now. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, the new Psycho Cybernetics was one of the ones that got me on my path initially. And Say that again, the title? The new Psycho Cybernetics. Okay. It's about, I just love the ideas of things that... Um, how to control our behaviors and mm. how our mind, it, our, our mind affects our body, how mm-hmm. all of those kinds of things. So that's by Maxwell Maltz. Um, other ones are um, the four agreements. Yes. Just about Miguel, spirits, yeah. Miguel Ruiz. Being, um, I, have, I have the four agreements right there. Don't make oh, assumptions. Don't take Great anything book. personally. Yeah. Always do your best and be impeccable with your words. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and anything by Wayne Dyer. He's one of my, oh, one of my yeah. people. I just love his stuff. So all of those things. And there's so many more. I keep getting one out of the next, out of the next. Uh, there's so much goodness out there. Well, you're reading a good one now by Brene Brown. Yes. 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 <laughs> so yes. what is a daily activity that helps you with your thrive? Um, I think it's my morning gratitude. Yeah. When I wake up, I'm going from the morning, you know, if I'm on call and I've had two hours sleep, if I get those two hours sleep and I have to keep going for a whole other day, Love it. it's just, I am so grateful that I have the life that I can do that. I could do that. And I'm, and I'm supported in it. So. Love it. What is an app that helps you with your thrive? It's gotta be audible, I guess. That's where I listen to my thrive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Listen to all your thrive stuff. Oh, I listen to my yeah. stuff. It I, makes sense. Audible. Yeah. That makes sense. And what is one what is one misconception that people have of you as they see you in this, you know, mm-hmm. um, spirit of grace and love and thrive and empowerment? Um I think that people may think I'm either a pushover or that I get taken advantage of. Mm. But the idea of being taken advantage is something somebody taking something from me, you know. And if I give, with me, I give. I don't loan people anything. I mm give and if it comes back to me great if it doesn't hopefully it made it to somebody else Mm -hmm. so you can't take anything Mm -hmm. from me you know Mm -hmm. if it's your mission to be above and push somebody down to get above I don't need to be there I don't you know I don't need to fight you for anything I'm still gonna be thriving wherever I am so I I don't get taken I don't get taken advantage I have actually never heard anyone put that into perspective like that and that's a great answer so thank you I love that yeah So finish the sentence. What the world needs now is. Kindness and love, baby. (laughs) Kindness and love. And listening. Listening. Just listen. You'll hear so much in people if you just listen. And don't think about what they're going to say next. Just listen. And Leslie, wow. (laughs) So we want to know more (laughs) about where to find you. Like we want to follow you online or or connect with you where. Good Lord. Um... (laughs) I'm not out there very much. No, because she's operating on people. (laughs) Are are you on LinkedIn? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Doximity. I'm on, 
I do have an Instagram account. I hardly ever go on there. And I do have a Twitter account. I hardly ever go on there. Well, <laughs> I definitely know that people are going to be inspired. So I'm going to actually just put all your handles into the show notes so that people can link you and follow okay. you. And yeah. I, do, I do know you've done some videos with your, with your hospital and your institute. And so... Um, yeah. Yes, I'm on the are... Andrews Institute website as well. Yes. Yeah. And so, at the beginning of the at the beginning of the interview, I did ask you what you wanted to leave here, and it was around being someone who leaves others feeling a level of increase. And I, you know what? At this point in time, I'm going to be really self. I'm making it about me. So yes. forget about the listeners. For for I, I, I have felt a total level of increase every word that you said to wow. the end of this. We're at 43 minutes, and. Wow. Um, so I just know that the listeners are also feeling the same. And Thank you. notice at 36 minutes, I was already asking you to come back. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because I want yes. you to increase your experience, your knowledge, your wisdom, and just give us more. I want more of you. I get more of you, but I want to be able to give more of you. And I'd love to do it because I get something from you every time as well. Your energy, I'm going through this day smiling and bouncing off the walls. I love you. I love you. I I hold space for you always. And I thank you for gracing this podcast today. And all the listeners blessed to have heard you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. I've listened to so many of your other guests and literally, there are just so many amazing people doing wonderful things out there. I'm so proud to be part of them. Yes. Girl, I'm trying to get a billion of them on my podcast. So let's I let know. Me do it. You're, you're on your way. You're <laughs> <laughs> so to everyone that's listening, this is where I sadly say, we're out. <laughs> Love you, girl. So there you have it. I hope you're thriving and thoroughly enjoyed this episode. And remember, whatever platform you are listening to this on, please subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast with someone else you think can benefit from the tips that were delivered. As Tom Billius says, when we help others think in a way that is empowering, that is the lead domino to create real change in this world. It's been awesome hanging with you. I'm your girl, and I'm out. <laughs>